for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organizations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker, and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business, Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges joined by relevant experts and real life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast and this week I thought it was time for us to think about ourselves to a certain extent as as HR professionals and what we can do for us and how we can also apply that thinking more broadly to our organisations and I was really pleased to notice an old neighbour of myself Catherine Horstman of Catherine Horstman Nutrition um, who's ex-HR is an expert in this area. So I persuaded her to come on the podcast to talk a little bit about this. So Catherine, um, obviously I know you as somebody who used to live in the same village as me, um, but would you like to explain your your HR background and then also what brought you to become a registered nutritionist? Yes, of course. And uh, thank you for inviting me on your podcast, Lucinda. Um, I have 17 years background in, in HR, everything from engineering to property finance management engine um engineering software um so at most latterly i was hr business partner um for a large um insurance corporate doing a generalist role so very much partnering with the managers and my previous role was in talent management um so prior to that I did a sociology degree I always wanted to do something very much people focused um so I I then decided you know when I started having children that that sort of corporate life didn't quite and the long hours um didn't really work for me with with motherhood which which made me go off onto a different career track and so you went off and re- retrained then basically as a nutritionist. Yeah, yeah, I remember pureeing some organic vegetables for my firstborn when I was weaning him um, whilst popping an M&S plastic tub in the microwave and thinking, I don't know if I'm a, I'm being a great role model here. And I, I felt, you know, a real burning desire to do my best by the children and nourish them in the best way I could look after their health so I went back to college and yeah three years of blood sweat and tears during actually sort of um tail end of of lockdown and got my diploma in nutritional therapy at the uh, college of uh, naturopathic medicine in London I mean, it's quite, um, it's a topic I've become more and more interested in. I'm sure many of us who've had children can identify with that. Um, Well, certainly for the the firstborn, the second and third, maybe less so in terms of um, being quite so purist about the purists that they get. Um, But, uh, you know, in terms of that sort of putting ourselves second, and and I was saying to you off camera, wasn't I, how whenever we do... um, episodes for HR and I just saw something today about CIPD and um, HR director about 
we are terrible as a profession to put ourselves second. I don't know, maybe predominantly a female profession, but um, you know, if we don't nourish, it's this whole thing, should we nourish ourselves and look after ourselves in order to be able to support others effectively um, and to make sure that from a point of view of health and well-being, one of the things that personally I've become more aware of, I think since COVID, I've always been quite interested in it, is the impact of our diet. I mean, there's all this stuff about not just what we eat, it's the impact on our biome and vitamin D and all these sort of things can affect our mood. And there's a real swing now also in terms of organisations wanting to be much more um, supportive of people's well-being. So it seems a bit strange that we wouldn't consider this to be something of importance to support people with. I mean, is this something that you might see or you'd recommend? Or What's your position on this from putting your old hat on if you're in an internal HR role as to whether this is something relevant for HR to think about? Yeah, I think it's actually... Um... I think it's the conversation needs to be more why we wouldn't have this on the HR agenda, really. Um, and I, I think this has occurred to me much more now I'm not in HR anymore. But it's it's just, I mean, the the evidence now for the link between what we eat um, and and our our susceptibility for sort of longer term chronic health problems is is quite compelling. And also that huge gut brain axis, which is my area of specialism in my nutrition clinic now, helping women with their mental health. Um, you know, this link between the food we eat and our mood is 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 compelling. You know, this wonderful smiles trial. I think it was um, I think it was about about eight years ago. Um, you know, really showing the link between that lovely Mediterranean style diet and and the improvement of mood um you know there's lots of evidence there so do you want to tell, i mean I, I i'm as i said i'm quite familiar with this because i've been reading up quite a lot about it recently in the, the uh dr tim Sprechter type stuff mm. but i'm not sure that everybody is in fact my kids my kids they all know that they've got to have certain things in order to support their biome which they go and go so do you think any of your friends have ever heard of a biome? And they're like, definitely not. <laughs> they think you're a bit mental. Um, but I mean, why don't you share some of your expertise in this area? Because it might be of interest to people. And, and I mean, we're recording this in February. And actually, there's been that terrible, sad news about that lady, Nicola Bully, who, who you know, the whole thing about our well-being and being aware of our mood, it shouldn't be ignored, should it? So what tips have you got from a nutrition point of view? Um, so in terms of, and, and that's, that's where it started for me, really, with my own personal journey with my own mental health issues. That's a very um, tender age, actually. So I feel very passionately about this area. Um, I think, you know, in my field, we talk about the standard Western diet. So very much ultra processed foods, which a recent study has said that actually 60% of children's diet um, consists of these kind of ultra processed foods. Um, so, so coming away from, from that, making sure that we're fully hydrated and we're avoiding too much sugar and certainly sweeteners. That's a conversation that doesn't happen enough. Um, the, the impact of that is, is, is more problematic, making sure that we have that diversity of multicolored fruit and vegetables every day, you know, at least, at least five portions at a minimum. Um, and, you know, 
that lovely saying that you know don't buy a packet with ingredients on it that your grandma would go what is that dear I've never heard of that um and sort of anything with more than four or five ingredients so really will help with the diversity of the microbiome and and like I said that will have a huge impact on on mood um but I think basically you know in our sort of modern medicine um, framework, we focus very much on a diagnosis and we focus very much on managing symptoms. So my training is with a functional medicine lens, which looks at the root cause. We have to get to the root cause. There's no point prescribing an antidepressant if we have an underactive thyroid because it's the thyroid that needs the support. So there's, there's things there in terms of you, you would, if someone has got a specific um, mood disorder, otherwise, and you're looking to support them nutritionally, you diagnose it to find out what potential cause was. So, so some of it might be medical, but some of it could be supported by diet. If I'm just somebody who, um, I mean, I think it's interesting with people who haven't had to go back to the office for argument's sake, because my brain goes in two ways when thinking about nutrition in the form of supporting people at work really you know rubbish food and vending machines you talked about sweeteners and, and how can you make things available cakes in the office what was a person moaning about that recently or fruit in the office and there's pros and cons there but actually many of us are now working remotely and in theory it should be easy to stay hydrated and to eat well in theory I guess um but often people don't move from their desks or it takes that extra bit of brain capacity or otherwise have you got any sort of hacks or top tips, those people who are feeling that they are glued to their desk and you know they only get up to go and pick up from the school run or otherwise, how can they easily um, you know, nourish themselves, I guess, and their family? Yeah, I mean, at, at the desk, I really recommend smoothies. Um, I have, a, like, I recommend the Nutri Ninja or a Nutri Bullet. And it's a very easy thing to do quickly in the morning before jumping in your car or jumping on a train. Um, and it just makes sure that we can get, you know, at least one or two portions of vegetables in it. So um, the main one that I usually recommend is um, water or coconut water with half an avocado. So you've got those lovely healthy fats and it's it makes it creamy and you really don't taste it. Um, and then a hand, handful of berries as well and half a banana for a bit more sweetness. Um, so... And, and if people are having some protein powder, they might like to put a scoop of that in and some kind of they might add their vitamins to that as well, or or perhaps a medication if it's in um, powder form. So I think smoothies are a really good way to still get nutrition at work. Um, you're right. Regular hydration is essential for productivity and concentration. I like the idea of setting alarm every hour to get up from my desk, whether I'm at home or whether you're in the office and just, you know, it makes you have that movement break. You might have some kind of nice chat with a colleague and it, it means it means you're topped up because we should be aiming for about two to two and a half litres of um, ideally filtered water today a day. Okay, so there's a few things there actually really useful. So, so I like your, your concept of this of the smoothie, something you can start the day with. Um, you mentioned you might put um, a protein powder in it, and again, that's something that um, I think does it make you more full. What's the benefit? Would you do you recommend protein powders? Because sometimes it's just attached to the concept of what, you know weightlifters or things. Is that something that you recommend more broadly to the family? Yeah, actually, I think it's it's 
it's become one of these new sort of fads, if you like. And I don't think I have many friends that aren't having a protein powder every morning. But actually, there aren't too many of us that are really deficient in protein. So it very much depends on the client I'm working with. If I can see very clearly that they're not having enough protein in their diet, um, then I might I might um, recommend that as more of a temporary measure. I don't see that as something that someone needs to have every day. Um, eggs are the most brilliant form of protein with all the complement of amino acids. Um, so, you know, I, I'd, I'd say food first, really. But yeah. I might use it, I might use a scoop once or twice a week in a smoothie or perhaps some protein pancakes or something like that. And then, I, so I've got a teenage son actually, and I figured that when they're hungry, sometimes they're not going to snack on sugar. Do, do, have you got an issue with them having something like that with a, a, a smoothie with protein that makes them fuller? Does it mean that if, if, if they've not had a, an avocado in it, which would make it less likely to sort of um, bounce, if they're just going to have a pure sort of sugary uh, fruit smoothie, would that make it better for them? So with protein powder and children, it, it very much depends on the age. It just needs to be a bit of caution applied just because with smaller children, the kidneys are not fully developed. So actually, they, they shouldn't really be having um, things like protein powder on a regular basis. With older children, so for example, my eldest is um, 13 in a couple of weeks, he will have it, you know, a couple of times a week, it wouldn't be something I would be recommending for him every day. Protein is indeed really important for satiety, i.e. making us feel yeah. fuller for longer. Um, so things like a slower release carbohydrates are fabulous for this age group. So, for example, starting the day with some porridge or some uh, some eggs, um, some nuts and seeds, maybe ground up on the porridge, maybe some frozen berries is is fabulous if um, if we can persuade them to eat that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, my, my son's nearly 17, so he's, he's fine with that. But it's just interesting. I think it, that they're at the stage where they want to eat permanently. So thinking that satiety, as you say, is, is um, uh, are eating things other than toast and Nutella is a helpful, helpful yeah, <laughs> change. And so, indeed, if they are eating toast and Nutella, we do what we can as parents. So making sure it's wholemeal bread, moon on a stick would be organic and there's a kind of you know more healthy nutella version with with hazelnuts so i'm a practice that'll probably be rejected i'm quite sure but you never know <laughs> so going back to our sort of work piece um if you were going back into the office and you had got your strategic hr hat on and you were trying to influence people's well you know well-being or support people's well-being through nutrition at work what sort of things would you consider would be useful um, or you'd be recommending or have you in fact seen and heard about? Um, well, I think, you know, for. I think the case for health is becoming increasingly compelling and the last few years has given us a real stark, um, brutal reminder of that, actually. And I think in order for people to focus on their health, they really need to understand what's in it for them and the consequences of not doing so. Um, so one of the first questions that I will ask my clients is, you know, what is this health issue that you've come to me with? What's it stopping you doing? Is it dancing? Is it socializing, running? Is it dating? You know, um, so, for example, um, obesity, take that as an example. 
you know, that will stop people being as physically active as they'd like because of that pressure on the joints from the extra weight. And that can impact their confidence and they can't, you know, it impacts their relationships. So I think then helping them with gentle awareness of the consequences of that really it really helps um you know that there's a multitude of health issues associated with with extra weight cardiovascular for example and and diabetes the list goes on but empowering people to know how to help themselves rather than telling them you know this is what you will do um so i'm a huge advocate of small sustainable changes and not quick fatty diets. So, you know, January is maddening for nutritional therapists. <laughs> so a lot of my job is undoing the education that we've had, which is, you know, fat makes you fat. Um, don't have an avocado. It's got too many calories. You know, make sure you count, count your calories. And that's what good health is about, which it just simply isn't. So small sustainable changes, if you were sort of supporting people and, and I guess nudging that sort of thing, would that be the example of the fruit basket at work? I mean, I, I do question whether they ever worked, actually, whether people actually want to eat out of a fruit basket at work. But um, what, what would you suggest in that workplace? I mean, we've, we've talked about at home, having your water on your desk, setting your alarm, um, doing smoothies in the morning, um, that sort of thing. What sort of things are there um, that you could do at work or suggest at work to support people? Yeah, um, funnily enough, I used to work in an organisation where they had um, fruit delivery baskets um, a few times a week. And I think, you know, at least having that availability of something that's not the cakes, flapjacks, biscuits is great. I think, you know, we need to go further than the, the health screening service that some employers provide um and i think a lot of organizations are introducing things more and more and doing it well so um having a, a mobile masseuse visit once a week um used to happen in one of the organizations i worked in which was just you know the highlight of our week um things like i know my husband has no meetings wednesdays and well-being days where you know they can just take a certain number of days off a year when they they just don't feel like working um and obviously i think the pmi the the private medical schemes that organizations have there's so much scope to help our employees through that via you know osteopathy acupuncture more complementary therapies that that are really helpful so really having a decent benefits and um, sort of and sort of slightly um wider broader benefits available to people that's absolutely right. So, for example, some organisations will offer access to a financial planner. And, you know, for me, it's not just about nutrition and avocados. It's about holistic mind, body and soul approach to feeling well. And for some people, you know, a lot of people are in financial dire straits right now. That might be the thing driving their stress. So, you know, rather than... um you know, the taking a pill for every ill approach, whether that's medication or supplemental, it's getting to the root drivers of that stress. And for many people, they might need some assistance with managing a budget or um, cooking, cooking on a budget, shopping on a budget, things like that. I mean, that's actually quite an interesting angle, isn't it? Um, especially aligning again back to the nutrition piece, because there is a, an argument that the cheap, I mean, processed stuff, I, I think about how cheap chocolate is compared to 
when we, when I was in yeah, the 70s and 80s, um, relatively. And, and actually, uh, many people would say that they can't necessarily afford to eat healthily. Now, I know certainly you can get, going back to your point about a smoothie, you, could, uh, you can get frozen fruit and vegetables. That's a great way to start, I'm imagining, if you get frozen stuff from wherever. Any other top tips for people thinking about nutrition on a budget? And I guess, again, this might be where they're taking their lunch to work rather than buying from the canteen if you're feeling a bit um, hard up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for um, managing a budget, I think there's there's lots of different things that can really help. Menu planning is, you know, really king in, in my in my opinion. Um, it also helps that switch between workplaces, office and home. So just investing 20 to 30 minutes tops a week to sit down and decide what you're going to have, especially as a family, um, really makes a difference. It cuts down on waste. You'll spend less money. You'll feel more in control. So I think my main tips would be one, um, cooking, what? well, the meal planning, two, cooking once, eating twice, I always say. So the dinner I make tonight, you know, I will be making enough for my lunch tomorrow while, you know, in between working from home, for example, um, you could take that into the office. Three, batch cooking is really important. So, um, you know, it's easy, isn't it, when you're doing a, a vegetable chili or a bolognese or something to make three, four times the amount, freeze that in individual portions. Um, that that really helps as well. Um, and then, you know, for the, the days that time doesn't permit and you just have too many other commitments, working out, you know, where are my most healthy places near the office? Um, or having um, maybe a few things in the freezer at home. And there's two particular brands that I really recommend, and that's Cook, who freeze their delicious food as soon as it's made. There's no added preservatives, additives, sugars, salts, which you tend to get in the more mainstream, um, you know, takeaway market. Um, so Cook and Mindful Chef are both lovely and they do frozen ranges. So being pragmatic, you know, we can't aim for perfection all the time. So having that night where, you know, you get home late and you just need to heat something up and slow cookers are also absolutely amazing, especially for cooking on a budget. You can get a fairly inexpensive cut of meat and add whatever's lurking in the bottom of your fridge and it will generally come out really deliciously. Now, yeah, that's and actually um, that's reminded me we've got a soup maker which I've found has been quite good for like lunches, working from home and stuff like that, where you can chuck loads of things in, including a bit of fresh ginger, fresh turmeric, and stuff like that. So you feel like you get you know being extra sort of virtuous and and have that made and ready for lunchtime too. That's something, and I guess you could take that into the office if I was going to the office. That's something that we've found has been quite a, quite a good way of making things and using up manky carrots at the bottom of the at the bottom of the fridge. Definitely. And actually adding um, a few handfuls of red lentils or some beans to your soup can really up that protein protein content again to make you feel fuller. Um, you know, people say, oh, well, I've had soup and I'm still hungry. But when I hear the ingredients, I can see why. Yeah. So adding those protein sources in and actually um, what what I do every week, um, we are a big family of five is we have a chicken every Sunday and then I will boil the, the carcass. So we've got a, a stock for the Monday and then I'll make a soup for the Tuesday. So that's a really nice way of um, doing, you know, a couple of meals at least on a budget. 
and do, and kind of doing things that's going back to what we you know people used to do isn't it keeping it simple in terms of those those things so Definitely. I think actually, sorry no. um, I was just going to say and actually to, to boil the chicken bones is a, is a fabulous rich source of an amino acid called glycine which is really good for our microbiome so there's another benefit there and no waste and all that sort of thing as well so so um i guess that those are some really nice tips i think we've talked about um a little bit about what we can do in the office a little bit about what we can do personally a little bit how we can think about the whole person in terms of um well-being and what might be causing something whether it's physical or mental or financial or other stresses but how it ultimately all loops round into this this sort of um piece is there anything else i suppose if you were recommending someone to take supplements, I don't know if you do as a nutritionist, is it about actually um, getting it all through diet? Are, are there any other tips that you think that someone who isn't feeling top part of that you, you'd recommend that they can do over above the diet exercise or um, you know, uh, diagnosing it? What other things have we not covered? Yeah, I mean, I do... Um... I do often use supplements as part of my recommended plan when I work with my clients one-to-one. I try to keep it under about four at the most because anything that we swallow, our liver has to process, whether it's a supplement or a medication. So, um, and actually it's very, it's a very personalized thing. So I will um, kind of get an idea of whether someone is getting the right level of um, healthy fats in their diet, those kind of macronutrients like protein and the micronutrients, things like vitamin C and your B vitamins, very important for energy. I think what people need at different life stages is very different as well. Um, so for example, you know, menopause is a very topical subject. I think it's one that really has to be on the HR agenda because it can be the symptoms from menopause for many women can be quite crippling. And actually we don't just want our employees to turn up to work, do we? We want them to be productive. So, you know, things like hot flushes and migraines and so on can really, really get in the way of that. Um, so it's, it's it's helping a woman to become more metabolically flexible in the menopause, um, being able to deal with uh, burning fats as, as well as um, glucose as, as an energy source for the body. So so thinking of sort of specific things where you might recommend to people what they might help or, or, or signpost them in that direction as to what would help in that sort of so- area. For the menopause specifically, yeah, or yeah, anything particularly where you might say, what would you? Are, are there any sort of go to? Like you so say, you mentioned migraine and menopause. Would there be go to supplements that you suggest in those circumstances? Yeah, I mean, I think um, so many of us in our modern diets are often deficient in magnesium. Magnesium is really quite wonderful um it's you know um known as nature's tranquilizer so if we are having muscular aching magnesium is super helpful if we have low mood magnesium is is super helpful um it helps with manufacturing one of our neurotransmitters which helps with our mood um and you know so that's why it's important to keep our deep dark green leafy vegetables in our diet but also a really lovely we don't just have to swallow magnesium a really lovely way of getting it is um throwing you know a 
a good four or five generous cupfuls of Epsom bath salts into the bath um, because it contains a, a form of magnesium called magnesium sulfate, which is easily absorbed through the skin. And the benefit of that is if someone has gut health issues, they might not easily be able to absorb it in the small intestine. So actually you're maximizing the ability for the body to take that in if by throwing it in the bath. Or if you don't like baths, eat, putting it in a, a, a bucket and having a little foot soak at the end of the day is, is a nice, easy way. Could be a good way to make you feel, feel cheer you up or relax you, I guess, as well, that sort of thing, isn't it, in terms of... Exactly. You can also get, you know, sprays and um, creams as well. I think it, it's tranquilizer. It helps with sleep, doesn't it? Um, some people who have a middle night waking type things, which again can happen certain times of life or stress or otherwise like that. So um, that's an interesting one. Um, just one final point I thought, because we haven't touched on thinking about it. Now, obviously, you're not vegetarian, I'm guessing, or vegan because you, you have a chicken every Sunday. But what about that? There's quite a lot of people moving to a plant plate, plant based eating, um, uh, cutting out meat. Obviously, you've got amino acids in meat, which, you know, so what's your position there in terms of meat or not meat? So if a client came to me and said, you know, it's up to you, Catherine, which which should I be? Um, then my honest position on that would be it's better to have some meat. It's easier for us to get all the nutrients that we need in our diet. So for example, um, iron, iron deficiency is exceptionally common, <laughs> very common, and it doesn't have to be anemia stage, just a general deficiency in iron. And it's much easier for the body to extract the iron from um, heme, heme sources, heme iron from animal sources than it is from non-animal sources. Um, so thing, things like that are, are easier for us to access in animal products. Um, I think eggs are exceptionally important because they're such a rich source of protein. I think my vegetarian and vegan clients just have to work a lot harder to get everything they need. So healthy fats, you know, incredibly important. Fat doesn't make us fat. Fat is the building block of our hormones. It's critical for our mood. Um, so if we're not having those smash fish, as we call it in my world, sardines, mackerel, anchovies, salmon, herring, if we're not having those, we need to be maximizing our intake of things like nuts and seeds and flaxseed, extra virgin olive oil, things like that in, in, in a vegan vegetarian diet. So, so you've got to work hard to get those those things and to look after to get that that overall nutrition. And the interesting point again, just looping back to you, sort of said fat doesn't make you fat. So, what is it that makes people fat then? Well, um, mainly sort of disordered blood sugars. Um, so, you know, fat has been demonized over the time, and obviously, there's different forms of fats. Mm -hmm. So, what we want to do is we want to avoid the more saturated fats. Um, so, you know, the the um, fish and chip shop stuff, um, the, the yeah, <laughs> the oh. pork crackling, you know, it's delicious once in a while. Every oh day, <laughs> not. <laughs> um, but yes, just, you know, limiting our, our sources of saturated fats and having the more healthy fats. Um, 
And, and, you know, we need our body needs that to manufacture our cholesterol. And we do need some cholesterol. Um, It's just a problem when it's when it's too high. But but blood sugars is the main thing, really, Lucinda, because it it causes um, something called insulin resistance. So, you know, our pancreas keeps pumping out this hormone insulin and um, the cells become resistant to letting in the glucose into the cell. And then we have phenomenons like um, sort of chronic fatigue syndrome presentation. You know, we have a lot of people suffering with with long COVID. Mm. So it's all about going back to the health of the cell and what the cell needs to to thrive. So sorry, what was the cause? So would you see those links? Um, and, and what was the cause of the, when you say disordered blood sugar? So is that caused by carbohydrate, short-term carbohydrate or eating in a strange way? What, what do we know what causes those, that? So what causes insulin resistance? Yeah. Yeah, it's just um, our, our body gets a, an onslaught of um, sugars all the time, really. And I know I have to work exceptionally hard with my 12-year-old um, who walks past a shop every day. Um, and I was absolutely dismayed to see him bring home a little tub with a skull and crossbones on it called toxic waste. I mean, you know, I have no words for that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a, a, a little bit of sugar in our coffee, is it going to kill us? No, it's not. But we have sugar regularly at many intervals during the day. So with a lot of my clients, we're talking about, we're considering things like intermittent fasting. So um, just stopping eating by seven in the evening and not eating again until eight o'clock the next morning gives our body this wonderful break to let all the repair and restoration happen to the body. You know, we need to uh, replenish our our enzymes, our digestive enzymes. Um, We need things like optimal stomach acid to break down our food and extract the vitamins from the foods we eat so you know we don't give our body a break we snack 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 um and i think you know blood sugar management is the most important foundational thing that that every nutritionist will do Mm, okay so things that we can look lots of food lots of food for thought there see what i did there um okay (laughs) so um, so, Catherine, I think we've covered quite a lot of things. Obviously, it's as we sort of start out, it's lots of stuff that we can apply personally, but it's also stuff that we could support others others with. And you talked about broader benefits um, for people. Haven't talked about whether you can influence what's on the um, what's on the canteen list, but I dare say you never know. You can influence those sort of things as to are there healthy options and stuff like that. Getting rid of hidden sugars, and I suppose that almost loops around. We started with processed food, didn't we, and avoiding that. And I think that's one of the issues with processed food is it's got lots of hidden sugar as well, isn't it? So that might all play into it. So there's lots of things that we can do. You talked about whether we can supplement or otherwise the challenges of um, not being too too purist with our kids because they will bring home disgusting sugary sweets, (laughs) balancing it out with those things. I remember toxic waste. Um, So so it's really, I suppose, more than anything, it's making sure that we are looking after ourselves and leading by example, um, because how on earth are we supposed to be productive in our roles or support others without those and being a little bit alert to them, I guess. Often people come to HR, don't they, and ask, how can you help me? And it might be that if we've got our radar on this, talking about sleep problems or other things, you can signpost people to nutritional guidance that might support them in some way. Um, if, yeah. if 
do come to you for um, extra guidance or any resources. And I know you do do some nice recipe things. I think you do them on Instagram and stuff, don't you? How would they how would um, they find find you, Catherine? Yeah, so um, my website is www.catherinehorstman.com. Um, and I'm also on Instagram as Catherine Horseman Nutrition um, and Facebook as well. And I work one to one with clients and I also work in corporate settings. So, for example, doing talks, workshops, providing resources on everything from healthy snacks at work to eating on a budget Um the stress management you know that's that's another really key thing that we uh, we haven't touched on but actually I think I don't think we've probably done enough to acknowledge the huge freight train that hit us all in the last few years um, and the resulting mental health problems that have been brought about by that um, which which we need to be part of the solution I think helping people um get that dopamine hit and, f- and feeling a bit better and finding more constructive ways to do that yeah absolutely well thank you so much for coming on the hr uprising podcast really lovely to speak to you Pleasure. i really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable if you did perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.